Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Well, my friends, the time has come. It was something we put off for as long as we possibly could, but no, no. No, no. Nemesis is here. Listen, I will defend some parts of this film. There are very interesting stories behind the scenes, and it's entirely unfair what happened to Tom Hardy after the release of this film. It wasn't his fault. He didn't write it. For, however, the very legitimate problems that there are with Star Trek Nemesis, think of the positives. We have those beautiful new scimitar designs, and of course the Warbird designs, even though I do miss Andrew Probert's Warbird a lot. But anyway, we have that beautiful score from Jerry Goldsmith, which would of course unfortunately be his final act for Star Trek before he passed away. There are wonderful scenes, including the wedding, there's the return of Wesley Crusher, even if it's a blink and you'll miss it cameo. There's of course, there's Guinan. There is so much. So what the hell went wrong? I'm Sean Ferrer for Trek Culture, and here are 20 things you didn't know about Star Trek Nemesis Part 1. Number 20. Patrick Stewart originally played both Picard and Shinzon. Though Tom Hardy, of course, ended up playing the part of the villainous Riemann leader and Picard clone Praetor Shinzon, the very first version of the script actually had Shinzon being portrayed by Patrick Stewart as a more direct, older clone of Picard. There sadly aren't any further details available online about how this would have changed the story, though it's fair to assume that Nemesis would have climaxed with Patrick Stewart effectively battling himself. Ultimately, the potential for goofiness would have been extremely high had they gone this route, so bringing in a young actor to portray a younger clone was probably the right call. However, a few years Years ago, a curious fan cleverly deep-faked Stewart into the role of Shinzon to give fans a speculative glimpse of how it could have turned out. Number 19. Brent Spiner wanted Data to die for one specific reason. Data actor Brent Spiner actually helped write Data's arc for the movie, in turn earning the single writing credit of his entire career to date. Though John Logan is credited as Nemesis' sole screenwriter, Spiner received a story by credit. Spiner had been lobbying for many years, at least since the days of First Contact, for Data to be killed off, and so conceived a storyline for Nemesis where he would sacrifice himself to save Picard and blow up Shinzon's scimitar. Spiner's reasoning for wanting Data to die was simply as he felt he had aged too much, and that it made no sense for Data to be so noticeably advanced in years, being an android and all, and so Data died in Nemesis, albeit with the door being left ajar for him to return through his android brother, B4. In the end, much of Star Trek Picard's first season was ultimately concerned with tying off Data's arc seemingly once and for all. Number 18. Numerous legacy characters almost had cameos. 
Nemesis memorably features a fleeting cameo from Voyager's Captain Janeway as Vice Admiral Janeway, who briefly interacts with Picard in a video call, but several other peripheral Star Trek characters were intended to make cameo appearances in varying capacities. Most prominently, Seven of Nine was written a role in the film, and according to Jerry Ryan herself, it was intended to be a substantial supporting part rather than a quick wink-wink cameo. Ryan turned it down, though, because she wanted to take a break from her busy schedule working on Boston Public and also felt that the part never rose above being pure fan service. She also turned down an offer to cameo at Riker and Troy's wedding because she again felt it didn't make any sense for Seven to be there. Elsewhere, Ashley Judd's Starfleet ensign Robin Leffler, a minor character who had appeared in two episodes of The Next Generation's fifth season, was written into an early draft, but it never panned out. And finally, Denise Crosby lobbied producer Rick Berman to bring Tasha Yar's half-Romulan daughter Sela back into the fold somehow, but the writers never found a way to work her into the movie. Number 17. Director Stuart Baird clashed with the cast. It's been frequently reported that many cast members ended up clashing with director Stuart Baird, who wasn't particularly familiar with Star Trek before shooting started, yet producer Rick Berman felt he would bring a fresh energy to the flagging franchise. LeVar Burton and Marina Sirtis have since spoken disparagingly of Baird, Burton claiming that Baird often referred to him as Laverne on set, and Sirtis calling him an idiot. There were also reports that Baird was clueless enough about Trek that he thought Geordi was an alien. Bloody hell. Though Jonathan Frakes was more diplomatic, he did speak about how he would have directed the film differently, namely shifting the focus away from Shinzon and more towards the TNG cast. On the film's Blu-ray commentary, it's abundantly clear that Baird wasn't exactly happy with how the movie came out either, namely the enormous creative restrictions placed upon him throughout the process. Such is the nature of working on a gargantuan movie. Number 16. Wesley Crusher originally had a speaking role. One of the odder things about Nemesis is the blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameo from Wesley Crusher, which can be seen momentarily at Riker and Troy's wedding, yet he strangely doesn't say a word. This is because most of Wesley's role was cut during editing. On the movie's DVD, there's a brief scene at the wedding after Picard's toast where he speaks with Wesley, who's preparing to run the engineering night shift on the USS Titan, serving alongside Riker and Troy. It's a small moment, but, like so many other deleted scenes in Nemesis, added welcome shade and character to a film that was so thoroughly lacking in it. Fans would have loved to have seen Wesley chatting with Picard again after years apart, but alas, Baird made the bizarre decision to leave this short exchange on the cutting room floor. Number 15. Riker's back hair was removed with CGI. CGI sure is capable of incredible things, eh? Well, it played a major role in one of Nemesis's most infamous and oft-ridiculed scenes, the sex scene between Riker and Troy, which is interrupted by the extremely egregious and inappropriate scene of Shinzon's attempted mental rape of Troy. Because much of the scene focuses on Riker's back, the filmmakers asked Jonathan Frakes to shave his back for a more aesthetically pleasing visual, but he refused. And so, it fell to VFX Company to do the work instead, giving Riker's back a digital shave and to be fair, you'd never even know it, even though it's tough to believe that somebody actually cared this much about Riker having a tufty back. Number 14. Marina Sirtis almost didn't return. As much as she's an integral member of the TNG crew, Deanna Troy almost ended up being conspicuously absent throughout Nemesis, due to negotiations breaking down between Marina Sirtis and Paramount. As it often does, the crux of the issue came down to money, with Sirtis feeling insulted by the apparent lowball offer given to her. In interviews, Sirtis has spoken extensively about feeling undervalued compared to her male coal stars in particular, and claims that Paramount threatened to put Seven of Nine in the movie in her place if a salary agreement couldn't be reached. Sirtis plithily retorted to the studio, Jerry Ryan don't, won't do it for that money, that's for sure. Thankfully, the matter was eventually resolved, and though Sirtis was ultimately one of the cast's more vocal critics of Nemesis, or to be exact, of Director Baird, she maintains that she was happy with Troy's role in the film. 
Number 13. The Enterprise ramming into the scimitar was a mostly practical effect. Though the previous few Next Generation movies began progressively phasing out practical effects and had deferred to almost entirely digital shots of the Enterprise in action, a practical Enterprise effect was employed in Nemesis for one sequence. When the Enterprise rams the scimitar on Picard's order during the final battle, a practical 17-foot Enterprise saucer was built and collided into a model of the scimitar. The film's production crew shot the effect in slow motion at 360 frames per second to imply a greater sense of heft to the miniatures, and also hung the models upside down so the resulting debris from the clash would fall up as it would in zero gravity. VFX company Digital Domain then added explosions and other ambient elements to the scene, ensuring the end result is a winning marriage of practical and digital effects wizardry. Number 12. An estimated 50 minutes of material was cut. On Nemesis' DVD, Rick Berman claims that roughly 50 minutes of material was cut from the theatrical release in order to achieve a more commercial 117-minute runtime. Though 17 minutes of cut material appears on the DVD, that leaves over half an hour of footage unaccounted for. Most of the cut material was apparently character-centric scenes that fleshed out the relationships of the Enterprise's crew, which were cut to keep the emphasis on the battle between the Enterprise and the Scimitar. This includes a far longer wedding sequence in which Picard and Data have a lengthy heart-to-heart, a more involved subplot about Shinzon's obsession with Troy, more scenes with Data and B4, bigger parts for Worf and Dr. Crusher, and a more prolonged epilogue. It's infuriating that so much of this material remains locked away because much of it sounds like it would have added considerable weight and nuance to a fundamentally threadbare film. Number 11. Jude Law was considered for Shinzon. In the summer of 2001, a few months before shooting was set to begin, rumours did the rounds online that Jude Law had been cast in the role of Shinzon, and though this of course turned out to be untrue, he was indeed in contention for the part. Originally, the plan was to find a name actor who resembled a younger Patrick Stewart to portray Shinzon, and Rick Berman settled on Law. However, director Baird argued that Shinzon should be portrayed by a basically unknown actor, eventually leading to Tom Hardy being cast in the part following an extensive and, by hard word, appalling audition process. While it's easy to imagine Law pulling off the required menace, it was probably better to go for a less established actor in the role. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.